0: Good day and welcome to the final episode of Film Exploration Ashari. We're finally here, episode 100, the last Episode of the season and the last episode of my podcast for the time being, and I thought it'd be fitting to end it with the highest grossing movie in history, and that is the 2019 epic Avengers Endgame, based on the comics by Stan Lee and Jack Kirby, and directed by the Russo brothers Anthony and Joe. The film stars Robbie Downey Jr., Chris Evans, Mark Ruffalo, Chris Hemsworth, Scarlett Johansson, Jeremy Renner, Don Cheadle, Paul Rudd, Brie Larson, Benedict Cumberbatch. Chadwick Boseman, Tom Holland, Tessa Thompson, Elizabeth Olsen, John Favreau, and Josh Brolin as Thanos. The movie. Everyone was waiting for the build up that finally comes to its conclusion the movie that completes our journey as Tony Stark puts it part of the journey is the end and what a finale this movie was we tied up a lot of backstories lovable characters and we also do the opposite we have new arcs forming from the end of others which shows that Marvel are not done just yet. Avengers Endgame was shot back-to-back with Infinity War over a period of 200 days back in 2017. So that's a full two years for the entire cast to keep their mouths shut. I believe Robbie Downey Jr. was the only actor to read the entire script. However, he wasn't the highest-paid actor for the first time. No, in fact, it was Chris Hemsworth who bagged $80 million just for this movie alone. Finally, dethroning Robbie Downey Jr. as the highest-paid actor in the cast. That being said though, Robbie Downey Jr managed to get a record of his own with this movie, which was most appearances in a film playing the same superhero and that in this movie marked the 10th time he played Iron Man for one final time, taking over Hugh Jackman's Wolverine with nine. Jackman played Wolverine over the course of 17 years where Downey played Iron Man for just 11 years. So it's great things come to an end, it's sad end to a few characters, Captain America, Iron Man and Black Widow, half of the original six, and not only them, but this is also the final cameo or appearance of the creator of this entire thing, Stan Lee, in any Marvel movie. For the cameo in this movie... That appears in the time heist where Cap and Stark go back to get more pin particles in 1970. He based cameo on his own looks back how he looked in 1970. I believe the film used visual effects to make him look a little younger. What a legacy that man has left behind and what a film to end it with. The highest grossing film in history surpassing first Titanic and then Avatar, James Cameron's big dollar babies. When it passed Titanic, James Cameron sent a nice congr- uh, congratulatory message in typical... James Cameron fashion with a photo of the Avengers A logo being the iceberg that sinks the Titanic. The film's budget was a whopping $400 million, which is the highest budget for any film in history. So all the eggs were in this basket, and in the US alone, it grossed $858 million It grossed worldwide $2.7 billion, making it, and I've said it several times, the highest grossing movie in history, the highest budget before that. Was surprising Pirates of the Caribbean on Stranger's Tide, which costs three hundred and seventy nine. So it wasn't much difference there, but it just shows how big Pirates of the Caribbean was back in the days. And I think it was one of the best movies I watched when I was a kid growing up at the cinemas. So this film was huge in itself. It was, you know, saying that really is an understatement. Forget the uh, the Expendables. Forget a bridge too far this film had talent in big roles small roles voice roles cameo roles all over the three hour and two minute running time natalie portman is credited in this movie arrived at the premiere but she didn't even shoot any new scenes they just reused deleted scenes from thor 2 rena russo back for her two minute scene robert redford came out of retirement to play his role and it's the first time he's come back to play the same character in 59 years Paul Rudd and Evangelina Lilly were filming this film and Ant-Man and the Wasp at the same time. So that made things easy for them to appear. Taika Waititi, the director of Thor Ragnarok, is in there for moments sporting the same Hawaiian top he wore at Comic-Con. Joe Russo, one of the directors of the movie, is a support group member with uh, Captain America. Uh, Ken Jeong is a security officer in this movie, the guy from The Hangover. And also in that support group, there's a guy called Jim Stalin, who is the bald man with the glasses and the goatee. And that is the man who created Thanos. So interesting cameo there. Also, we have the ridiculous cameos at the end. Benedict Cumberbatch, Chadwick Boseman, Tilda Swinton, Samuel Jackson, William Hurt, Marisa Tomei, Michael Douglas, Angela Bassett, amongst many others, like Brie Larson, who shot her scenes in this film before Captain Marvel, which was odd adjustment, but yeah, Vin Diesel also credited in this movie, even though Groot only says one line in this entire movie, and that 's not until two and a half hours in a whopping fifty four actors are credited at the end of this movie, led by none other than. Robert Downey Jr. This film is just filled with star-studded power. You've also got nice little nods to their history in this movie, the history of the previous movies, like the round helmet in the background and the scene with Michael Douglas, I mean, which is obviously we know is going to be the Ant-Man helmet, the ballerina shoes next to Black Widow showing her origins to her upbringing, the nice little references from previous movies like calling Spider-Man Queens, the classic on-your-left quote from Falcon at the climax of the movie. There are honestly thousands, some easy to spot... Others quite hidden. Anthony Mackie didn't actually know he was going to be taking over the shield until Chris Evans told him by mistake. And he was obviously shocked. Quite funny. So what other references are there? Oh, yeah. When Tony says he did his best to his father, which references Civil War, when the presentation Tony does shows Howard saying, I know you did your best. You also have classic trends like where Clint and Natasha reminisce about their disastrous mission in Budapest. Hopefully somewhere, someday, we get to find out what the hell happened there. I was hoping Black Widow would have shown something, but they didn't. So it's a cute nod to the previous movies, and this is what this movie was, a reminiscence down memory lane. And what's better way to do this than said time heist? a time machine to allow us to go back to the original Avengers movie in 2012 and the other past movies in the MCU. They do not do, you know, I mean, they do a nod to such a kind of a subtle hint to the funeral scene where all the loved ones there for Tony Stark and a lot of people ask who that random boy was. And that random boy, of course, was the little boy in Iron Man 3 that let Tony live in a shed played by Ty Simpkins. You know, that scene also pays tribute to the first movie where happy is like, you know, your dad loved cheeseburgers, which is, of course, you know, when he gets rescued from the terrorists in, two, in the 2008 movie Iron Man, it's the first thing he asks for, which is, you know, it's a nice, like, bookend to the end of all the movies. The funeral scene was actually referred to as one of the most complicated scheduled shots in the history of cinema. They quoted it as legitimately everyone was actually there. There was no CGI or anything. They had to get all those actors there on the same day for that scene, so... You know, legitimately speaking, that was a complete nightmare. They told Tom Holland it was a wedding scene because he isn't pretty notorious for spoiling movies. He did a pretty good job with No Way Home, though, so I'll give him kudos for that. So they were hinting massively... At Tony Stark dying in the trailers before this movie even came out with him looking into space looking quite thin which happens to be the opening scene of the movie him looking thin by the way was done by visual effects it wasn't like a crash diet he went on it was sort of a double bluff for the marketing team to hint that Iron Man was going to die since he does shockingly die at the end of the movie and you get this tone shift when Tony runs into his father um in 1970 which is his final unresolved issue after you know having a family creating a time heist to save everyone having a second chance to save spider-man who he feels really guilty for and of course resolving his issues with cap so when they unexpectedly go back to 1970 and that scene happens you're kind of seeing this shift that iron man could die and he does And the reason he got the funeral and not Natasha, some people were quick to point out, was because Black Widow was still to come out and so we were going to see her again. Whereas Iron Man, this was the final time we were going to see Iron Man, Tony Stark or Robbie Downey Jr. all in one. And going back to referencing again, Tony and Nebula were stuck for 22 days in space at the start of the movie and Avengers Endgame marks the 22nd film of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So there you go, just a... a little like jab right there and this film finally fulfills the prophecy that is shown in avengers age of ultron i don't know if you remember because we see captain america's shield broken in half in the final and in the final battle thanos breaks the shield in half exactly the same way we also see hulk injured and unable to fight which happens in infinity war also black widow dead in the exact same position as she dies in endgame and also thor appearing to be dead in the same position as when thanos wounds him with stormbreaker in the final battle so you can see the prep that the people behind the scenes of marvel take so when they were shoot an age of Ultron. they already knew what was going to happen everything comes back nothing is done by accident and that's what i love about films also i was listening to an interview by the producers of this movie and obviously thor's hammer is lifted by Cap in this movie one of the big moments of the movie after thor cleverly retrieves it back during the time heist making it very shocking and amazing surprise to the audience Ah, like, oh, here's his hammer it's back he would be the obviously fifth hammer to lift that hammer after thor vision hella and odin and they were saying that, um you know, when they're all trying to lift the hammer up in Age of Ultron and the rule is that those who are worthy are able to lift the hammer and Cap budges the hammer when he tries to lift it, which doesn't go unnoticed by Thor. And the producers confirm that Cap could have lifted that hammer up, but he decided not to because he didn't want to upset Thor, which is a very interesting theory because I watched that scene again and it's actually quite evident that he doesn't actually try the second time because he realizes he can lift it up, so... I like that. And if you watch it, you can actually tell, like, watch the scene. You can put he cat puts his hands up in this air in this really, you know, nonchalant way and doesn't try again. But that could have maybe you know, he could have I think he could have lifted it if he tried, and the producers definitely confirmed that. And when Thor says, I knew it in this movie, when he lifts up the hammer, it's a callback to that scene and when he was worried about it at that time. But now Thor's grown enough as a person to feel nothing but pride in his comrade's worthiness. So what else do we have? What else must we talk about? Some of the revelations in this movie. Finally, we have the title of the first Avengers movie uttered in this movie. In Age of Ultron, it cuts to when he's about to say assemble. In this movie, Avengers assemble is said none other by Captain America prior to the final battle. And the film nicely ends with Cap dancing with Peggy, keeping his promise from the first Captain America movie, First Avenger. They also had that written, that scene where Thor was supposed to confront his old 2012 self, but they ultimately removed that idea. They had a lot of ideas flowing around that either edited, moved, or just cut out entirely. Like, for instance, in terms of moving scenes... The opening scene of this movie where Hawkeye loses his whole family was meant to be the final scene of Infinity War, but they moved it to the beginning or opening scene of this movie. And with Thor confronting himself, just coming back to that, they also had other characters doing the same, like Cap having an entanglement with himself as well as Nebula, but they eventually cut it straight out of the Thor scene. They said Thor was meant to confront the other Thor, at Asgard, but it would have been very overly complicated in the plot, and they thought it would have been a bit too heavy in terms of the fight scene, so they shifted that plot to Cap where it has some meaning towards how cap has grown where thor has gone the opposite way in this movie well he has grown but not in the right way has he <laughs> they used a special suit for that it weighed about 14 pounds which he had to carry around <clears throat> also they gave them the opportunity to focus on thor and his mother that was really more a part of thor's journey and repair than confronting his former self i mean thor had his moments with both loki and odin but never his mother and it was a beautiful scene in this movie and i think it was really much needed And they had cut the mid credit scene from Captain Marvel from this movie as well. They also hired Catherine Langford from 13 Reasons Why to play a grown-up version of Morgan, um, Tony Stark's daughter, and they filmed the scene as well. And the scene was Tony and Morgan discussing what he had just done and, um, you know, killing himself for everyone and she forgave him and putting him at peace. But that scene didn't make the cut because there wasn't the emotional attachment connection with an adult version of his daughter. And they also had film scene with Aaron Taylor Johnson who played Quicksilver in Age of Ultron, but they, that didn't make the cut as well. So it's interesting to, you know, probably get the Blu-ray version of this movie and have a look at all the deleted scenes because you might be surprised. And the big one that they changed very late on on my ad is when Tony snaps his fingers at the end. So. Originally, the line, I am Iron Man, was added three months before release, meaning that that shot scene was almost 18 months after they had finished filming. It was the last piece of footage shot for the movie. So, originally, the scene was just him clicking his fingers, but apparently, uh, they wanted him to actually utter a line. And apparently, Robert Downey Jr. was hesitant about shooting the reshoot with a line as it was hard for him to get back in that emotional state, you know, 18 months later. So, he had uh, dinner with Joel Silver, who was uh, the producer of one of his films, Kiss, Kiss, Bang, Bang, with Val Kilmer, a really good film. And, you know, that convinced him to do the final scene over dinner. And one thing I was reading, and it did cross my mind as well, is after the whole funeral and battle scene, we have Cap shown going through the time heist part two to deliver all the six infinity stones and Thor's hammer to their respected locations in the past from where the Avengers borrowed them earlier in the movie. And uh, it's interesting to note that the soul stone which Clint got from Vormir after Natasha's sacrifice um, is guarded by Johann Schmidt, a.k.a. the Red Skull who is cap's first nemesis this means at the end when delivering all the stones he would have had to have interacted with the red skull again and this isn't mentioned in the movie but i guess it all worked out since he comes back and gives sam the shield a bigger fish to fry it would have been interesting to see what the interaction would have been like to see shit fucking hell red skull you're here again but i guess nothing happened or he just killed him I don't know so interestingly there was a few tear-breaking moments in this movie the fight between Tash and Clint is a massive one to see which one of them dies Tony dying of course is a big one the funeral scene at the end or even just seeing Cap grow old but the scene that really brought the crew to tears was the scene where Paul Rudd Scott Lang reunites with his daughter right at the beginning of the movie and improvised the line you're so big and he floored the entire crew that day leaving most of the crew teared up so for the crew's perspective that was the saddest scene and in terms of the producers and directors they said in an interview that their favorite moment in the film wasn't cat picking up the hammer or iron man clicking his fingers or the entrance of the whole uh, marvel characters no none of those massive scenes it was a scene where captain america goes into space i know right they've grown super attached to these characters watching them grow up kick, you know hiring the actors to play them and they said it was a warm moment for them to see captain america go into space so i was like okay fair enough and they are and will always be divided in opinions and about how a movie handles complex plots and everyone has a critic and they those same critics are fans of something else. And this is how movie goes, completely subjective, but you can't deny what they have achieved. I mean, there are a lot of opinions on the chronological, realistic logic behind how Cat managed to become come back old because if we're nitpicking holes and that we shouldn't really you know it's hard because they're, they're dealing with time we're dealing with fucking 21 movies before this that like they actually touch on all of them you've got all these characters 54 actors credited we shouldn't really brush aside a man with a bow and arrow fighting aliens or superpowers or you know there are things we just can't explain yet we take no notice of that but hey you know we're fight we're in under dimensions or giant monsters and critics always pick battles it's just better to enjoy the whole experience on the whole That being said, though, one critic did have my ear when they were talking about the screen. um, There's not screen. The scene where Banner goes to the Ancient One to give him the Time Stone, and in that scene, the Sorcerer Supreme reveals that Thanos' snap didn't kill anybody, but merely willed the dust out of existence. So, somebody said that death is final, but the snap technically isn't. Resurrection is impossible, even with the power of the Infinity Stones. But A snap can be undone as we are shown. So, people were wondering why Black Widow couldn't have been brought back to to life with her sacrifice on Bormir, but they concluded that both Iron Man and Black Widow died for real, not from the snap. Where the dust from the snap could be resurrected because technically they weren't deceased. So, with that knowledge, that means Thanos, who has been snapped, is technically still alive, and it's completely possible for MCU for Thanos to come back to reality through resurrection. So, like I said, Marvel Studios have a lot of people behind the scenes and they always like to keep their options open. Well, as Tony Stark puts it, part of the journey is the end and this concludes my podcast on the films that you love, ending with the biggest film of all time. These little 20-minute bite-sized informations on the movie you love I hope have been enjoyable and they will stay up on the internet forever. That's the great thing about the internet. I said during lockdown 2020 that I wanted to do some kind of film-related pastime and set myself a challenge for doing a podcast. Starting a podcast, creating a podcast was one mission, and then doing 100 episodes was another. So here we are 17 months later and we've reached 100 episodes on the films you love. And it's been constant, at least one episode every week for the last 17 months It's always about being consistent when it comes to having a goal and I'm sad to be putting this podcast channel to bed for the time being anyways, like Marvel Studios. I'm keeping the window open so you never know for now, but now I shall say goodbye and you've listened to at least one episode, if you have, of the 100 or I think technically 106 that are up because I did a few special features. I thank you for being curious and I hope you've learned something new. Uh, All episodes are available on iTunes, Google, Spotify, Amazon Play and a few others. And the links are all going to be on my Instagram page, uh, Film Exploration, A-H, or lowercase, or one word. And you can visit my website, film-exploration.buzzsprout.com. And I've got to thank Buzzsprout for being the server for my podcast. And remember, nothing shown in a movie is done by accident. That's a very important thing to take by. Anyway, thanks for listening and keep watching movies. It's a good escape for a couple of hours from our crazy lives and I think lockdown is finally dissolving. So anyway, thank you for listening to Film Exploration with Ash Hurry.